Hello, and welcome back, Curious to Serious listeners. This is your co-host, Gabby. In this episode, I sit down with Heather Wickman, co-founder of Untethered, to talk about coaching, psychedelics, and horses. Heather and I talk about Untethered's work offering unique integration services using horses while partnering with plant medicine retreats worldwide to provide individual and team growth initiatives. Heather's journey starts with the corporate climb, working as an executive coach or someone who works with CEOs and corporate executives to help them reach their full potential as leaders. Heather did this for several years until she and her husband decided to trade in their corporate lives for a new direction. After life-changing ayahuasca experiences, Heather reconnected with her passion for horses and started building Untethered to offer horse integration and coaching services. We discuss how Heather's academic education, including a PhD, along with apprenticeships and everyday life experience, inform her current work. In our conversation, we cover the diversity of educational opportunities and valuable resources for discovering your own entrepreneurial path. Additionally, Heather speaks about working with her husband in the psychedelic field and how their yin and yang energies create a beautiful and balanced space for clients. Finally, we wrap up our discussion with Heather's hope for future integration work in the psychedelic space. Be sure to look through the show notes for ways to connect with Heather and other relevant links. Additionally, before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsor. This podcast wouldn't be here without MAPS, whose support has allowed us to keep the online psychedelic grad community platform free for all of our members and allows us to publish these insightful conversations for everyone to enjoy. We also have a new opportunity for our listeners to support psychedelic grad. If you visit the links in the show notes, you will find a link to our Buy Us a Coffee page where you can donate to Psychedelic Grad and help keep the dream alive so we can continue to provide resources and education to our growing community. And finally, thank you to our listeners for joining me in this wonderful conversation with Heather Wickman. Throughout the conversation and for a while after it, I reflected a lot on what Heather shared with us in relation to where I'm at in my own journey. So I hope our listeners find the same value in this conversation as I did. Welcome, Heather, and thank you so much for joining me today on the Curious to Serious podcast. We're so excited to have you here. Hi, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be <laughs> an exciting and enlivening conversation. I know. I'm very excited. Um, you're going to be talking on something that I've never heard about in the space yet, and that's bringing together um, coaching, psychedelic integration, and horses, something <laughs> very unique. So I'm very excited to jump into this and learn more about that. Uh, me too. So to get us started, you um, are the co-founder of an organization called Untethered. So let's start by talking about what is Untethered and what does Untethered do? Yeah. Untethered's been kind of a, a long time in the making. So this was birthed probably seven years ago at the very cusp of kind of my psychedelic um, uh, adventure. And so if you've ever read the book by Michael Singer, The Untethered Soul, this was kind of our catalyst. So we were in Thailand. We had just kind of, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit, but jumped into a whole new world. And I read this book and it just kind of cracked me wide open. And I was like, oh my God, Untethered is exactly the, the thing that captures what I want to do. And so at the time Untethered was founded and we did primarily executive coaching and culture and leadership kind of training for corporations. 
and did that for quite some time until it continued to evolve and evolve and evolve. And today um, we work with with leaders um, and and I kind of have a broad view of leaders in terms of um, you may be leading a team, you may be part of an organization, but you're also a leader leading your life. And so every one of us is a leader in some way, shape or form. And we help leaders um, break through some of the toughest and persistent roadblocks um, to master the change that they really want to see in their lives. And we do that through our horse-assisted uh, integration and our growth intensives. So where we blend both peak experiences with sacred plant medicine and the horse integration. That's some really incredible and beautiful work. Um and I feel like I have a, so many different questions about it, but I'm sure we'll hit on all of them. So I think first, the the one question that I have is, what does integration look like when it comes to integrating horses with plant medicine? How does that work? You know, it is, um, it's, I would say in its infancy. And so I'm going to start with what I know today. And I ran across this kind of in a fluke. Um I've been working with plant medicine myself for the past seven years, and um, through one of my plant medicine experiences, horses became um, <laughs> very persistent in their messages with me in terms of I needed to come back to those roots. I had horses when I grew up, and my horse passed away when I was 22, and a huge part of me died at that point, and um, I didn't touch a horse for 10 years. And so horses have been huge um, as a part of my own integration. So coming back from plant medicine journeys, oftentimes you're pretty raw and pretty vulnerable and you've got these ahas and you've got these revelations and you're trying to ground them into your life again. And sometimes we can get really lost in that space. And in my own work with the horses, I, I found um, kind of several things in terms of that they're really good at in that Horses provide a somatic and experiential um, experience when you're working with them, meaning that you're in your body. When you're with these beautiful, majestic animals that are 1,500 pounds, you can't help but get still because you're really aware of everything that's going around. And so it's a perfect scenario for you to drop into your body. And it's experiential in that Everything that you're doing is creating subtle changes around you, subtle changes in the horse, and it allows you to get really present and understand like, oh, wow, like that created something really strange in the pit of my stomach. Like, let's pay attention to that. And so I continued to work with the horses and then brought in a few colleagues that had also been working with plant medicine. And their experience was like, oh, my God, Heather, like this has got to be a part of our ongoing you know, support for our clients that are going through plant medicine retreats because they provide this, this container for people to kind of ground and stabilize their nervous system. But horses are also these incredible messengers and illuminators for the things that are below the surface, much like plant medicine is. And they help you kind of practice real time some of the shifts that you want to make in your behavior. So, there's kind of this mystical, spiritual side and this very science-based side in terms of what I'm finding horses bring to this equation. I think we're just scratching the surface, which is just super exciting. Yeah, that's really incredible work. And the way that you talk about it reminds me of um, there's a student in my department, and for her master's research, she did 
Uh, she worked with veterans and with birds of prey um, in like working with like veterans with PTSD. And it, it kind of reminds me of how she would talk about like when you're with an animal, especially such an intelligent animal, like you have to stay calm and grounded. Mm-hmm. And it kind of this combination of like connecting with that animal on a whole nother level um, as a way to tap into yourself. It kind of reminds me a little bit of that, which is super fascinating and interesting the way that um, I feel like sometimes we think of humans as this separate being from our ecosystem when in reality we're so intertwined and there's so much we can do when we tap into those types of relationships and those we tap our systems essentially into, you know, other species and other beings that we surround ourselves with. So such amazing and and interesting um, work. And I think it's, you know, an up and coming avenue for people who might be interested in what can I do in the psychedelic space, especially those who are so passionate, um, you know, passionate about animals and how to, how to bring them into the space too. Yeah. It's incredible. And in my sense and the, the, the intuitive messages that I get from the horses and and we have dogs and cats and similarly is like, they are here to help. Like they are incredible guides and shamans and, and healers and messengers. Like I said, if we can, you know, step out of our ego, step out of our really, really busy mind and be really present with them, they have so much to give us. It's incredible. Yeah. We just have to listen to what they have to say. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Okay, so we talked about the horse side. I'm interested to talk about the plant medicine side of things. Um, so first, what types of plant medicine do you, um, do you work with? And I'm assuming that this is in the States, correct? We live in the States, but our work with plant medicine is outside of the States just because of the legality of it. And I don't want to get myself in a whole can of worms in that space. And so we started off, and I say we, my husband and I, um, working with ayahuasca. And so that was kind of our first foray into the sacred plant medicine space. And um, it's it's a big, powerful medicine. <laughs> I don't know. I would always recommend, you know, diving into ayahuasca first, but it was the the route that we went with and then have also worked with Huachuma or San Pedro, as well as psilocybin, and have worked a bit with the, you know, the medicinal side of marijuana as well, cannabis. And so those are the ones that we've primarily been working with and support our clients also in exploring. Perfect. I'm glad that you touched on the legality side because that's what I was really interested in is like, because I know that you're kind of like based in Colorado and you live in Colorado. And I was like, how do you do plant medicine <laughs> retreats legally in the United States? Um, but like you said, uh, there's a lot of organizations that if they do retreats, it's somehow outside of the United States where those types of medicines, you know, there's more you know, right. legal access to them or yeah. more fluidity in being able to do that type of work. Exactly. And then they come back to us in Colorado here and work with us at the ranch with the horses. So it's kind of a nice blend of, you know, you get the jungle experience and then you get the mountain experience and kind of nature all around. Oh, that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So for this retreat, like how long is it? What does this process look like for someone who would be interested in in going through this process with you? Yeah. 
So our growth intensive is a three-month engagement, and we've played with a bunch of different timings, and this seems like it's the best one for our clients as well as us, in that we kind of do this comprehensive framework of pre, peak, and post. And so um, a lot of folks who work with plant medicine know that sometimes the pre and the post is missing, right? So you have this peak experience, but you don't really have the the pre-work, the intention work, the grounding work, the breath work to really set you up for success. And then the integration work afterwards to help you ground and make sense and make sure that you kind of live through the lessons of the plant medicine. And so we wanted to make sure that we capture all three of those segments in the, the service that we provide. And so within the first month, we typically cover, you know, the pre. So getting folks ready with understanding intention, um, trying to quell some fears around what plant medicine might be like. Oftentimes it's newbies that are working with us. Newbies meaning they haven't worked with plant medicine before. Um, and then jump into the first retreat. And so whether they get to choose what medicine they want to begin with, and then we partner with different folks um, in Mexico, Portugal, and different places. And so then they go usually have a five to seven day experience with plant medicine with folks that we've worked with that we really, really trust. And then they come back, they come back home. And then we usually give them some time where we're working with them one on one to do some kind of you're just back, you need to begin to process, you know, what did you find out helping people kind of get through those, um, those, those, those moments when you're either like so excited about everything that you just experienced or like so raw and vulnerable, like you can't hold it together, right? It's usually one or the other. And then we have them come to the ranch. Um, and then we do three days here with the horses. And so that's a combination of working one-on-one -on -one with the horses, doing some work with the herd, and then doing some work in nature as well to help kind of really ground. And then we conclude the three months with additional integration training just to make sure that folks feel grounded and settled and have kind of a pathway in terms of how to weave these new behaviors into their lives. Wow, that's incredible. Um I feel like I have so many little individual questions to go with each part of that, but that's okay. Um, so thinking about, we'll start with like the pre part of it, that first month. Are there any particular models um, that you use or that are most influential in how you structure that pre month before the experience for, for yeah. people who participate? It's a great question. You know, the pre section tends to be a little bit more organic based on where that person is at. Sometimes people are like really clear on this is what I need to work on. This is the biggest roadblock that's been in my way for the last seven years of my life. And this is what I got to do. Right. So for, for folks like that, it's much more um, streamlined in terms of how to get them ready. It's more about maybe teaching them some initial breath work. So if you're struggling during a ceremony, how do you rely on your breath? How do you come back to yourself? How do you get grounded again when you feel like, you know, you're, you're struggling through a ceremony? And so we primarily focus on like an intention workshop in those, in those first spaces. And it, it varies a little bit depending on where a client is at. Some people, you know, have a really big audacious, like I want to be happier in my life. You know, and we try to really drill down in terms of understanding like, well, what does that mean? What would that look like? What would you have to do differently? What would you have to do better? So that they have a little bit more clarity around maybe what is the roadblock? What is the challenge that's actually at the crux of wanting to be more happy? 
or be more in more fulfillment with my life, my career, whatever it might be. So that first month um, is a little bit more organic, semi-structured, just based on where the client is at. Okay, that makes that makes sense. You know, um, everyone's coming from a different spot, and everyone's going to have different directions that they want to go in. So, like, you don't want a, a strict structure because that's not going to fit everybody's needs. So that makes sense. Um, for the actual experience itself, so you know, these people they go to you know wherever. Um, I'm assuming it's based on whichever plant medicine they exactly. choose to work with. Okay. Yep. And when they do this experience, is it at, um, what's, I'm, I'm going to call it a retreat. I'm not sure if that's the appropriate term to really call it, but you know, who are they working with? Are these, um, are they like formal retreats? Are they, cause I've seen a lot of models where it's like purely indigenous groups or it's a mixed model where it's like indigenous groups mixed with like individuals trained in Western medicine, you know, what do they look like? Yeah. So the first, um, it would be more of the latter in terms of the mixed group. And so I'll give you an example. We work with this group down in Mexico called, called uh, Bluestone Ayahuasca. And, um, they have three major facilitators there, and they're kind of indigenous as well as non-indigenous, but it's primarily um, the medicine woman is, oh man, she <laughs> is in, incredible in the space and has studied with this specific medicine for such time that it's just like a part of who she is. It's a part of her very nature, and and I'm sure you've worked with these type of people, so you know what I'm I'm referring to. It's you know they've they've done the medicine enough, they've studied with the the ancestors and the indigenous people that it's just kind of second nature of who they are. And um, then there's two other individuals who support her in that work in in the medicine keeping space in terms of being able to hold space, being able to help if there's kind of a challenging experience, those type of things that have different skill sets that they bring to to that environment. Um, so it's kind of like you said, the the hybrid model of the the indigenous as well as, you know, some different perspectives in addition to that. Okay, wonderful. Um, I always like to understand what that model looks like because I know some people, especially coming from maybe like the Western side of things, they might be um, worried about what it's like to do like a completely indigenous experience, you know, right. and maybe they mm -hmm. are more comfortable with having that hybrid model. Um, that's a really interesting kind of way to do it. And I know I talked with Ryan Rich about uh, – Iboga, Iboga retreats that he does. And it's, mm -hmm. it's very based in um, Iboga traditions, but with a buiti and stuff, but um, it does kind of have a small medical side of things where they're going to make sure like, you know, yeah. no one's, you know, if someone <laughs> exactly. needs medical help, like they've got, you know, the people there to help for them sure. with that. For sure. Um, and of course, like from the Western perspective or someone coming from the Western, you know, United States or even Europe or something, that might be something that makes them a little bit more comfortable in their experience. Yeah, absolutely. And so there's a medical clearance before and all those kind of things to make sure that there's no, you know, medical interference or complications with prescriptions and all those kind of things. So that is important to us as well that, you know, it, uh, the medicine's not for everyone and not for everyone at the specific point in their life. And so it's really important to have those conversations before you dive into a medicine journey like this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. We talked a little bit about integration, but I'll just mm -hmm. maybe ask this question just to see if there's anything else that you want to add to it. But um, for the integration side of things, I feel like there's so many 
you know, formal <laughs> kind of psychological models to use for integration. Then there's all kinds of more indigenous or um, community-based models. You know, is there anything yeah. specific that you guys use? Yeah. So this is um, this is kind of my my academic journey following me into this integration space. And so it's maybe a little bit of a blend of a, a true integration model, as well as my own experience with, you know, horses, which is very organic um, and very nonlinear. And so we use a integration process called immunity to change. And it's uh, probably the the best framework that I've ever seen to help people understand their hidden commitments to actually living in a new space, making different choices in their lives. And so it's a process that we walk every client through in terms of this is the thing that I want to change. And what are the, where are the places that I'm pushing on the gas pedal? Where are the places where I'm pushing on the brake pedal unconsciously because it's a self-protected mechanism that I've developed long, long ago that I haven't let go of. And so it's a bit of a, I, I kind of think of it as, you know, th this is a cognitive process in terms of understanding our, our mind's self-protection mechanisms and how do we rewire that from a cognitive perspective. And then we work with the horses, which is very somatic, very experiential. And so it kind of drops us out of the head into real life, into real actions and behaviors and what happens for us from a nervous system perspective, from a kind of a mind perspective, when we try to do things a little bit different. And so our, our integration process is probably a little bit um, unconventional, um, but we found great success in being able to combine both the cognitive aspects because we are very cognitive beings and then kind of un unlearn a lot of things and then relearn it with the horses. And so we probably have some uniqueness there. Yeah, that's really a fascinating model to work with. And um, I just like how, you know, how you combine the cognitive, the things that we know about the human and working with that, but also the experiential part. Um, it really adds value to something that we're not seeing in, you know, all the clinical and the medical models that are coming out. Um, and I, you know, I, I think there's a big world essentially within the psychedelic worlds really um where this type of model is really instrumental um and like you said your success rates like i you have really high success rates with the people who come to you and and do this right yeah i mean we've got a a, a money back guarantee so if you're not making significant <laughs> progress towards your your one big thing the improvement goal that you come to us to work on we're going to give you your money back like we're really confident in the approach to creating some shifts in your life. And it comes back to kind of that integrity and authenticity. If you're not getting what you want and what you need, then you need your money back. Like it's not like this huge whim thing. There's a few conditions like you got to do the work, you know, you got to show up, you got to participate, you got to make sure that, you know, you're not on the side doing something terrible that's going to sabotage your you your progress those kind of things but all in all like we're we're dead serious like we've done this on ourselves to know it's successful and we've worked with enough folks to know that if you put in the effort intention and the work you're going to get the results yeah absolutely and uh 
you know, hearing, especially about the integration side of things, there's so many things that you touch on that I'm like, I experienced that, but I feel like I went through it so much harder because I didn't have a framework (laughs) there for me to figure out like, you know, like to be like, you're getting in your own way, you know, you're pushing on the the brake pedal here, you know, and you're, you know, like just being resistant to the process because I didn't have that framework to tell me like, this is part of the process. Exactly. It's yeah, so true. Like I, I was that too. Like you know, our first ceremony. I remember coming home and just being like, so fish out of water. Thank God, my husband had done this the the three ceremonies with me as well. So we had each other to kind of process with. But that was one of the most eye opening experiences. Is like, how do you let someone have that experience and then just go home? <laughs> like it's it's so that supports. That, that system afterwards is just so huge. Yeah, absolutely. And even, um, you know, I had my fiance, he, we were just dating at the time, but he's my fiance now, but, uh, he was a huge support system for me, but there was still times where like, I, like I had one of those moments, um, you know, when I had an experience and I came back from it and like, I couldn't function in everyday life. I was so almost like pulled out of reality. Yeah. And of course it was like, you know, I'm, I'm getting my PhD. So it was like at the beginning of a school semester, yeah. like not the time <laughs> to be having that kind of moment, you know? Yeah. And like, he was there to support me. And I tried to go like to the counseling center and tried to get help like through the formal avenues. And it didn't, yeah. it wasn't like the support that I really needed because they're, you know, they're not really in, at least the counselor that I was working with wasn't really in tune with the psychedelic space and stuff. So um, creating this type of space, this integrative space for people is so essential um, yeah. as people seek plant medicine in, in different ways. Yeah. And you summed it up so perfectly. I get a lot of questions like, who's your ideal client? You know, and it's your exact story, you know, especially for, we, we also just, just do the horse guided integration on the back end. So you don't have to do the the whole plant medicine experience with us, but we're still here to support you on the back end with the horses. And it's folks like that, like that have had this experience and don't have <clears throat> the immediate resources around them to make sense of it or to ground it. That's what I'm like, come, <laughs> come to us. Help, let us help you. Let us hold some space for you as you kind of find your way through this. So I appreciate you sharing that experience. Yeah, I hope it's a learning lesson um, for individuals who are interested in this or interested in even getting in the space and like, what can you do to support others or yourself if you find yourself in that position? Or if you can't find yourself in the space, maybe this is your your space within it, you know, is is providing that kind of service because it's it's so important. Um, You know, research is starting to say perhaps it's the most important part of the entire experience, you know, it's not even just yeah. the experience itself. It's the yeah. support and that, that container that exists yeah. for you afterwards to work yeah. through it. I had a mentor say that the aha, like the peak experience is cheap. <laughs> what you need to invest in is the after work because that's when the journey really begins. I don't know if that's entirely true for everyone, but um, that really resonated for me. Yeah, absolutely. We hit on all the questions that I had here. Right. So my question is, is like, you know, you kind of have it that you have options where you can do like the entire package, you know, pre experience experience, and then the integration, or you can just do the integration part. But when you talk about investment, what does the investment look like for something like this for, for people who want to do this? Yeah. So the, 
the the most affordable investment is the folks who want to come to us and work with us on the back end. So we do that one-on-one or we do that with groups, um, groups up to like four people right now, just because it's really intimate groups. And you get obviously the, the full experience here with us, which is one-on-one work with the horses, with the herd. You get Colby and I for three full days um, and a whole bunch of different activities and practices, breath work with a Mayan elder, all this kind of stuff. And then we do a full month of integration work virtually as well. And so it's, it's one-on-one coaching as well as like some peer learning, a whole bunch of resources, all that kind of stuff. And so that's 2,800 for that full month experience. And we're doing our best to make it as affordable as possible because man, that's, that's the work that I feel like there's such a gap in right now. And so want to be able to fill that whole, um, yeah, so that's fantastic. And the caveat there is we also work with the weather. Like, so the, we live in Colorado. And so the beautiful thing is we get all seasons and you get to play with all seasons. So we might be out working in the, in the heat and the heat is usually, you know, an amplifier of things. You know, if you're getting frustrated, the heat just <laughs> is going to make you hot and more frustrated. So then we work with that. And similarly in the snow, I, I'm, from Minnesota. And so I'm good with the cold, but a lot of people are not. And so if we're out, you know, in the beautiful blue sky and the diamond sparkly snow, you know, it creates a whole different nuance. I would say the growth intensive, definitely jump online, give us a call in terms of that's a much different investment, just in terms of it's it's fully one-on-one for three whole months. And so happy to kind of walk through that for anyone who might be interested. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I know there's some people that are like, how does this work? Um, And especially those who might be interested in doing something different, like, how do they make it that it's affordable for people, but also like, you know, everyone has to live off of something, right? (laughs) And and horses are not cheap, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, I know, like, I grew up with friends who had horses. And that is, one, it's a lot of work, you wake up very early to take care of them. And two, it is, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of money to take care of them too, but they're such yeah. amazing creatures. They are, they are incredible <laughs> colleagues. <laughs> okay. Unless there's something else that you want to add about Untethered that we didn't cover. Um, I'm interested in moving on to talking about your journey of how you got started into this. You know, you didn't just wake up one day and Untethered existed, right? right. Um, no. There's a very interesting path that you took to get to this point. So I'm interested in talking about what that path was and what it looked like for you. So where would you say that that journey started? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a complete accidental psychonaut (laughs) in all ways, shapes and forms. And, you know, I don't, you know, my story is unique to me, but I think there are more and more people who are having a similar experience. So I mean, I had a very kind of blinders on perspective of what I wanted my life to be and what I thought success would look like. And it was the corporate climb. Like, you know, you climb the ladder, you continue to get raises, you continue to get promotion, you've got security, you've got your 401k, you've got your retirement, you got all these things. Yay, success until, okay, it doesn't feel like success anymore. And kind of had what I call my corporate crack and just long story short, couldn't couldn't continue down that path. It was just causing so much internal churn um, and and almost like, you know, depression, anxiety, all those kind of things that I'm like, ah, this is just not right. I can't do this anymore. Which sends us on a like a pretty massive shift in terms of 
My husband ended up resigning from his corporate job. We sold everything. We left the country for three months. We traveled to Thailand. You know, we did all of those kind of things. And in the midst of that, I was working with uh, a coach, an executive coach who was helping me with like moving through this really big transition. And she said, oh my God, you're my ayahuasca girl. I said, I'm your what? (laughs) And uh, I didn't know what ayahuasca was at the time. So, you know, I had to process through a little bit of that. And and frankly, I, I, as growing up college, I didn't dabble in drugs. It wasn't something that I played with. I, you know, I had alcohol and all those kind of things, but I didn't jump into drugs. And so it was really kind of one of those taboo things of like, yeah, nah, that's not who I am. Like one of those identity belief structures that was really ingrained until I did a bunch more research and um, met the folks down at Bluestone Ayahuasca, who is where we do some of our work now. And we met with her down in Mexico. We were down there and she happened to be like, well, why don't I just stop by and I'll tell you a little bit more. And so that was an incredible way to um, meet her and understand more about the medicine for a very skeptical mind and a very scared mind at that time. And a month later, we were back down in Mexico to do our first retreat. And so um, the plant medicine has been... Uh, a companion and a guide and an adversary (laughs) along this whole path for us in terms of um, jumping out on our own, recreating kind of a definition or identity of who we are um, and um, really being thoughtful about designing the life we actually want versus um, living the life we thought we should live. And that's been a huge, huge distinction right now. And and I don't think you could pay me enough money to go back into the space that I was. And, you know, when I wake up in the morning and I see our horses and I see where we get to live and I get to, you know, talk to incredible people like yourself, it's just like, it's kind of, sometimes it's those pinch me moments. Obviously, sometimes days are not like that, but more often than not, um, they are. And I I have so much gratitude for the opportunity to work with plant medicine um, the gifts that they have given and as, as well as the incredible challenges that they've provided. That's a really incredible story. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a number of people in the space that talk about being in the corporate world and being like, this is what I'm supposed to do. It's almost, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, this idea of like, the, it's this ingrained framework of how we're raised in, in our society. Like this is, what you do. Um, and then there's something that comes along and kind of rattles the cage in essence yeah. to be like, this isn't <laughs> what you have to do. You know, there's so much more there. Um, yeah. Uh, it just takes, um, in, I guess I would call it a leap of faith, <laughs> and, you know, a trust to just mm-hmm. try and see what happens. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's more and more common that people find themselves in the corporate world and something happens that they're just like, this isn't, where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> Especially with COVID, I find that, um, I know we're kind of a little bit on the other end potentially of that, but um, that was a huge kind of wake up call for folks in terms of like, is they had time to be with themselves at home, you know, it wasn't the grind that it, it always was. And it provided that kind of glimpse into, is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? Right. And so we've had a lot of clients from that perspective of, I just don't think this is what I want, or I think there must be something more for me. 
you know, and being able to kind of walk alongside them. And, you know, from my perspective, my opinion is there is more, right? There, There is more than what you think. And I think there is always more than what we think. Um, but it's been really incredible to work with those folks as they kind of begin to break through that identity of shoulds and musts and needs to and like, well, what if it doesn't? It's pretty incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's amazing to see and hear that you get to work with people as they break down those frameworks. I know when I look in my own personal life at some of my friends or especially my family and just you know, my parents are very hardworking people, but they they work in um, manufacturing. And to them, like, that's what you did to provide for your family. And they're getting ready to retire. And I'm like, what are you going to do for retirement? You can do whatever you want. And they're just like, <laughs> no, this is what retirement is. It's this little box still. I'm like, you don't have to live in the box anymore. Like, yeah. there's so much more that you can do. Yeah. Um, so it's it's beautiful to know that the work that you do can help people break out of that and mm-hmm. and find a new way of life and a new way of living. Yeah, especially if they want it. I mean, there's no breaking out of that box if you don't want it. <laughs> right? That's true, right? <laughs> Some people are really comfortable in that box. Exactly. And, and and I'm I'm super happy for them in that space as well. Yeah, yeah. I guess in in myself when I see it in my parents, I like I just have to find acceptance that if they feel yeah. comfortable in there, then then that's then I need to be happy that they're happy, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, All right. So you, you go through this journey. What's really interesting about your story too, is that you have a very, I'd say it's very high achieving formal, formal education. Um, You have a BA, you have an MS and you have a PhD. That's, that's an extensive amount of (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as someone who's in the, the PhD boat right now, getting ready to graduate in a few exactly. months, like that's an extensive amount of work. So um, <laughs> I'm interested to hear, you know, what were, what were your degrees in? What did you study? Yeah. What you know, you how, <laughs> yeah, what were you thinking? How does that all play into the journey? Yeah. You know, um, I'm glad you brought that up because it doesn't fit the mold, right? In terms of, <clears throat> I just say it doesn't fit them all. So I've got, um, I did all of my studies as it relates to kind of growth and development. So my undergrad is in human resource development. So how do you help people grow and advance in organizations? And then I did my master's in HRIR, which is a, a little broader perspective of like the HR function in organizations. And then, um, <laughs> You know, I I guess I uh, had this idea that it wasn't quite enough. So then jumped into my PhD and uh, did a PhD in uh, leading transformational change. And um, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I graduated before I was 32 with my PhD. And I don't tell you that to be like, yay, Heather's a rock star. Like I, I share that to be like, Heather was so blinded right? By the achievement mindset, like, you know, this idea that, well, I must need to achieve something to be worthwhile and to be valuable and to be seen and all these kind of things. So there's a real significant shadow element to my high ambition, high achieving educational pursuits. I don't know if I would do it differently, um, but um, it, it certainly didn't help me from the perspective of um, living into my body 
it continued to affirm, you know, your mind is the thing that will progress and move you forward in this world. And I think what I've learned and what I've been able to do is take some really incredible pieces from that academic journey um, around my training, a significant training in coaching and human development and transpersonal psychology and all of these things that I need to be a really good integration partner. Um, and then I've had to do a lot of work in the last 10 years of unlearning kind of my very ingrained habitual analyze categorize, research, all these mind things that says, actually, my gifts are below my neck, right? So what happens when I use my intuition? What happens when I drop into my body's knowledge, my body's wisdom for guidance in helping people through and guiding people and providing a question for, and for holding space? And so it's been this really interesting journey of, yes, I've got some great skills and academic credentials. And I've had to unlearn a lot. And I'm on this, I think it feels like this hyperspeed highway of how do I drop back into the energetics, drop in back into the divine feminine, into intuition, all those kind of things that I lost or, or maybe never paid any attention to throughout all of my corporate climb and academic pursuits. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I feel like you just described exactly where I am in my life right now. <laughs> no wonder we're talking together. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I I just turned 31 and I will be finishing my PhD yeah. <laughs> in May. I will graduate and, um, and very like just the way that you described it, just this full speed head on you know, go for the PhD, like that is the, the height of like, you know, in, in essence, like I feel like in academia, like that's the height of academia is getting that PhD. Right. Um, but at the same time, like, what do you lose in it? Um, what parts of the humanistic self in a way Mm -hmm. do you lose in that? And, um, thankfully with kind of tying in psychedelics, I've been able to, (laughs) Tap into that a little bit more, but I, you know, now that you described it, I feel like I'm very much at that crossroads of, you know, once I graduate, what do I, what I do with this? How much of myself do I, you know, lean into that formal academic education and how much of myself do I tap into my, my feeling, my being, my, um, my kind of all of that, the more humanistic side of, of things in that way. Um, And it's tough because my family's very much like, what kind of job are you going to get? You know? And I'm like, oh yeah, I could go into the corporate world and I can do that. But is that really what I want to do? So it's really interesting that you describe that because I find myself very much at the same type of (laughs) crossroads right now of like, how do I, I manage that? Um, So this conversation is very helpful for me (laughs) to think about what I'm going to do in the next couple of months. (laughs) Exactly. I, um, I wrote a book and there's a piece in the book that speaks to this, this piece of the conversation around um, in those big transitions, listen to the whispers. And if there's any piece of unsolicited advice that I could give you would be, you know, as you're in this space, you know, listen to the whispers when they're quiet, when they're gentle. You know, for me, it had to smack me upside the head like a two by four until I could hear it and pay attention to it. Um, And so, you know, you're in the, in the most perfect place you need to be and just 
continue to pay attention to, you know, the whispers of your body and the whispers of kind of things all around you, because I think they're helping you find the way. And it's probably not going to be, you know, the way that you think in your mind. Mm, that's some good advice. Yeah. I think I need to just sit and take some time and listen to those yeah. whispers. That's a good piece of advice. Go spend some time with horses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> horses are very big in Florida, which is where I'm in. You know, there's some big horse people around here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So that's not a bad idea. Um, okay. So we talked a little bit about your your more formal education, but you also have some other types of training and educational experiences outside of formal academia. Let's talk yeah. a little bit about those because I think <laughs> those are really instrumental to know about and how they play into what you do now. Yeah. So I did I am, um, about a year and a half uh, apprenticeship in equine facilitated coaching. So that really helped me understand how do you work with horses in this capacity? And I do it a little bit different than what that training was all about, but that was really foundational. And then I worked with two other um, kind of leaders in this space, in this equine facilitated learning, equine assisted learning space that um, has helped broaden perspectives and understanding different ideas. Um, and then even working with some folks around just animal communication. So how do you tap into, and it's not just, it's just like the non-humans, the the plants, the the animals, the elementals, all of these things, earth that is all around us, nature, in a way that helps us kind of broaden our perspective and broaden our awareness. But, you know, the the best schooling that I've gotten, great grammar, right? The best schooling that I've had is <laughs> what I call earth school. And, you know, there's this thing of, you know, plant medicine, you know, go do another plant medicine and you're going to find what you need to know. I find that earth school after plant medicine is where the greatest teaching is in terms of um, far greater than what I've had academically. And even with a lot of incredible teachers and mentors along the way, I think life continues to pre present all of these nuanced things to learn about the work that you're doing, learn about yourself, learn about your shadows. Um, if you're super curious about, oh my gosh, look at that. Like, look at how that just unfolded. You know, it teaches you so much about your patterns and um, it would be negligent of me not to say like the horses are incredible teachers. Um, they are these, um, man, magnifiers and biofeedback geniuses that in every moment they can kind of help me uncover these subconscious beliefs that I have that are continually sabotaging me by showing me the behavior in them. And so it's just been this incredible earth school for the last 10 years, I suppose, in terms of uh, like, um, how do we show up, make different choices and live the life that we actually want to live? And there's a huge part of, of play and fun that were not part of my existence prior that when you drop into the space and sometimes the psychedelic space can be really serious and really heavy and really about like work and heal and grow. <laughs> and I find like when you give yourself some space to breathe and have fun and go for a ride and play, something shifts. Like again, life school gets a little bit easier and you can kind of see the things that you need to see for your own growth and development and unfolding in a much easier way. So that was a very long winded way to say, yeah, I've done some formal things 
And it's, I think, the informal things within life that really are providing the, the greatest fruit for me at this point. Okay, that's interesting. For someone who's maybe thinking about heading in a similar direction to where they see you are now, would you recommend a mix of formal and more experiential education? Or would you, I wouldn't say just skip the formal, but how would you, <laughs> how, you know, how would you tell them to go about getting, you know, educating yeah. themselves in this yeah. way? Man, that's a, that's going to be a dicey answer just because it's going to be filtered through my own biases. So that's my huge caveat here, right? So anyone listening, take this with a grain of salt. Um, I do place importance on um, some formal learning, right? So maybe you want to do a certification in integration practices. Maybe you want to do, you know, a deeper dive into whatever. I, I think there is great validity in working with some people that are really trusted in this space that you can learn from. And so I would say it's probably the hybrid again. And then don't get too stuck in that path of, you know, everyone else has to teach me how to do this because at the end of the day, you're going to do it the way that you want to do it in the way that your soul helps you understand how to do it. And so being able to tap into your own ways of learning and um, kind of following your own path, like the the things that I'm reading and researching right now are just, you know, so far beyond the things that I thought I would ever be interested in. And so they really help the guide and you're like, oh, now that makes sense why I did that research in that area. So I would say, you know, um, drop into what actually feels best for you. And then I am a fan of the hybrid approach. I was actually listening to a podcast yesterday around this, this topic came up, like the host had folks come to them with a bunch of questions, like, who do I work with in all these kind of spaces? And she was the one who said, you know, look at their credentials, like who have they trained with? How long have they been in this space? And kind of the, uh, he would never call himself a shaman. He was an anthropologist, but he's been in this space working down with the Peruvian uh, ayahuasqueros for the last 10 years. And he said, work with people who your community recommends. And I think that speaks to this idea of just get really good at what you want to do. And I think the path will unfold. And so that's kind of you know, <laughs> two different perspectives and I kind of land somewhere in the middle. I think that's great advice. Um, I like how, you know, when you talk about even like this formal education, it doesn't have to be this kind of mainstream idea of what we think of a formal education. You don't have to go get a four-year degree. You don't have to get right. a master's degree. You don't have to go get a PhD. There's all types of certificate courses that you can do that are still like formal, um, but aren't, you know, you don't have to run the whole gamut of it. Um, yeah. And I really like too, when you think about certificate courses, there's, you know, if anything, it gives you more diversity and more variety of things to choose from. You can really hone in on something very specific that interests right. you. Um, and I think to go along with that too, is for people who are not sure maybe what direction to go in, doing a few certificate courses yeah. might give them that kind of broad exposure to a few different things and be like, oh, this is what really, you know, strikes my heart the most mm -hmm. that I'm most interested in. And then can, you know, follow up in whatever way that they, they think works best for them. So I think yeah. that's really fantastic advice. Good. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's <is> terrible advice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's great advice.
It makes me wonder, um, you mentioned an anthropologist who works with ayahuasca arrows. Um, I'm going to take a stab here and perhaps you won't remember their name, but was it Michael Winkleman? It was Adam Andros. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. All over the place, but it was I know. the first time that I <laughs> ran into him. So. Mm, that is a new one for me. Okay. Awesome. I'll have to check it out because I, I study anthropology. So I was like, anthropologist, what? You know? Yeah, so. exactly. That's How interesting. Fun. He's actually just finishing his PhD as well. And so oh, he nice. Might be a really fun one for you to connect with. Yeah. I'll have to reach out and check out his work and yeah. see if I can connect with him because that sounds so interesting. Yeah. yeah. It was fascinating. Yeah. And it sounds like he's got some good advice too. Yeah. Very grounded. And <laughs> it was actually a conversation about um, the psychedelic space and narcissism. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Which is, I listened to it. And I'm like, oh my God, I've seen this and I've probably been this. Like it was terrifying and enlightening all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But it's important to have those, those uh, kind of reflections of ourselves, right? We're yeah. all, we all have to be like, we all have to recognize that at some point, like that's us, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Self-awareness is important. Yeah. Especially with this growing field, you know, we get to recognize, we get to see our shadow selves, you know? Yeah. yeah. And if we don't, everyone around us will. Yeah. Oh gosh. And then that's embarrassing, right? <laughs> <laughs> You'd rather not have it that way. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather point it out myself and be able to call myself out on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see here. We might have already covered this, but we'll cover it again just to make sure there's nothing that we missed. So what resources would you say have been the most helpful for you along your journey while trying to prepare and build what Untethered is now? Oh, wow. What resources have been most helpful? Um, To be honest, I've done it all wrong. Like, <laughs> I, I have not done it <laughs> Well, um, but that's been my learning. That's been my process. Um, so plant medicine has been an invaluable resource. And my husband has been an invaluable resource. Um, I, I would like to point to different kind of business things that I've done along the way that have been helpful. You know, I've worked with, you know, um, a really great company to work on your brand, like who you are, how do you come through as a brand? Um, I've worked with some great marketing folks to really understand, like, how do you create this cohesive feeling when you see the website and when you see Heather and like, how do we all bring this together? And all of those things have been really important. I've worked with some really good social media people in terms of like, how do you, how do you get presence out there? But at the end of the day, man, um, I think the world of being an entrepreneur is is um, is bumpy, and it needs to be bumpy because you are you are you are creating your own path in a very real way. Unless you're creating like a product that someone's done ten times over, and you're kind of just using the recipe that they've used. Like this is, uh, I'm going to speak from a very feminine perspective, but this is a birthing process. Like this. Th- untethered is, is absolutely, um, there's been birth and death and rebirth and, and death and rebirth so many times with the evolution of this, this one entity. And at one point, probably a while back, four plus years back, I was like, I think untethered's done. And untethered as an entity was like, no, I'm not done. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it was really fascinating to kind of be with that and feel so drained by not being able to figure it out from your mind, right? And the company was like, yeah, no, I believe that organizations end up having a, a, an, a source of their own, an entity of their own, an evolution of their own. And it's not really been until um, me stepping into my truth. It was a really challenging experience for me to move from the real corporate traditional executive coach to standing up and saying, I'm working with plant medicine and horses and executive coaching. And knowing that potentially the vast majority of my contacts, my networks, my friends, my family are going to be like, Heather, you've lost your mind. Like you have jumped off the deep end. What are you doing? And that was really hard for me from a perspective of like I, I, rejection. Like I don't want to be rejected and, you know, not thought of well by the vast majority of the people around me. And, you know, it came to unearthing this assumption that I have around, you know, other people's perspective of me is more important than my own perspective. And then finally it was just like, F it. I'm putting it out there. This is who I am. I can't do it anymore like that, right? And so it's amazing how Untethered, as our company, has begun to flow much differently with much more ease and much more grace and fluidity since I've gotten really clear on who I am and the work that we're doing and why we're doing it. So you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have great advice for folks. I would say, you know, don't follow my path because my path has been super bumpy. You're going to follow your path. And, you know, the quicker you can get to really your truth, the better off your company is going to be. Hmm. That's, uh, <laughs> this is going to sound funny, but I'm totally taking your advice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, just, you know, just with my experience with psychedelic grad, there's so much that resonates with that, this idea of it being a bumpy road. There's multiple times where you're just like, this thing isn't working or this thing isn't working. Yeah. And you're just like, at what point is the whole thing going to not work? Um, and what do you do about it? And, um, and, and like you said, like, if you're not creating a product that hasn't been made and remade over again, you're very much carving the path for yourself. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're laying down the dirt road, um, which is what right. makes it bumpy. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really, that yeah. really speaks, I know, to like my experience with, mm -hmm. with some of the work here at Psychedelic Grad. Um, but there's a sense of beautiful growth in it. Like you said, like this very feminist type of perspective of birthing it, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's so beautiful to see how over time it kind of becomes its own entity and it kind of just <laughs> like it's incredible like sometimes I just feel like things just happen and I'm just like I didn't do anything to make it happen it just happens yeah, exactly yeah I agree <laughs> you know and slowly over time um as a team we're starting to carve out like our whys and like why are we really doing this and mm -hmm. and what is psychedelic grad and what does that mean and so um yeah I that's it's odd because you say to not follow your advice but I actually find myself very much follow, <laughs> feeling like I'm in the same path, <laughs> but that's okay too, right? It's part yeah. of the growth. <laughs> it is. I think if you're okay with that, like it's going to be bumpy. You're going to trip and fall. You're going to smash your face and then you're going to get up and like wash yourself off and you're going to be like, I'm still in it. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of this beautiful uh, metaphor for life. 
Yeah. And it reminds me a little bit of one of the last episodes I did was was with Stephen Miller. He just graduated with a master's degree. Um, and he did a very small, like qualitative based research project on um, the integration process and what that's about is really interesting. Um, but one of his biggest pieces of advice was just like, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. where you really learn from. Oh yeah. And that's back to earth school. Like, man, I've spent a lot of money on mistakes. <laughs> and if I think about that, that gets really depressing. But at the same time, like I've learned so much through the different decisions I've made. So it's not about, you know, fear of spending money and making a mistake. It's like, okay, it's going to take me wherever I need to go. Yeah. Yeah. Or some of those expensive. <laughs> yeah. Some of them can be expensive, yeah. um, but you can get so much out of them when you look back on it and you look at where you came from to where you're now, you're just like, this is incredible. You know? <laughs> <laughs> How did that even happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a question about challenges, but I think you hit on that pretty good. <laughs> Um, something that I think is really unique about Untethered that I don't think I've found in any of the other uh, guests that we've had on the show so far is that you work with your husband every day. Mm. (laughs) So I want to talk a little bit about what that's like um, and how that came to be and maybe some of the some of the benefits and some of the challenges along the way of, of doing that. Yes, Colby. He is my partner in crime, partner in life. Um, you know, and it's kind of one of those things that it's uh, it could be no different way. And so I'll I'll frame it up like that. But we started this journey together in terms of you know both quitting our corporate jobs, selling, going to Thailand, you know, founding Untethered. Um, and so it's been kind of this natural um, progression. And we are yin and yang, right? In the the most obvious ways, I am I am much more of the typical feminine energy. I'm much more nurturing, much more collaborative. I'm going to take your hand. I'm going to walk with you. And Colby is much more the masculine, and he's much more direct. He needs much more confronting. And some people really need that, you know, and desire to work with that type of energy. Um, but he's also an incredible um, creator of space. And I mean, physical space and energetic space. And so he's got a background in real estate, real estate development. And he's got this incredible knack with how do you build cr- beautiful places to allow people to really feel safe and really feel held. And it's been just this really beautiful um collaboration um, as, you know, we're bringing more people into work with us here in, in our very intimate space. You know, people come here and they're like, oh my God, this feels amazing. And I think it's part of that. It's not only the work with the horses and the work that we're doing, but also you just feel so freaking held. Um, and so it's lovely. And, you know, the challenges, um, Man, I think like any kind of uh, relationship, obviously, you you are your best spiritual teacher, right? (laughs) And um, that comes with all of the edges as well. And so, man, he triggers a bunch of my shadows and I trigger a bunch of his. And so there is beauty in that because we know we're aware of what's happening in the moment. And so it doesn't blow up into this big argument. It can blow up into this thing of like, you're really pissing me off, but I know it's about me, but I don't want to talk to you about it right now. (laughs) Right. 
And so it's kind of those scenarios that happen. And so, you know, we've done enough work in the plant medicine space where, you, you know, there's something unique that happens when you do medicine journeys together. Like you are working in kind of a dynamic collaborative space um, in a different dimension, um, if you so choose. And so I think we, we've we just done enough work in that space to where we know, you know, we're, we're on this path together, where, whether we like it or not. Um, and sometimes 90% of the time, it's absolutely blissful, right? And then there's 10% of the times where we're driving each other nuts because of our own BS. Um, I would have it no other way. Like, um, uh, it's one of my favorite things is to be able to work together. So, so intimately the, the, the other challenges we never take time off. Right. So we're always talking about, you know, work and life are just one thing, you know, so it's sometimes hard to just peel back and just be like, we just need to decompress. Right. And so we tend to find different ways to do that, but I love it. I know it's not um, the thing for everyone, but for us, it works really, really well. That's really beautiful that you guys get to work with each other. And I like how you're just so open and honest about like, yeah, it's wonderful and blissful at the same time. Like you, like you said, you bring out each other's shadows a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's important for people who are in the space and, either their partner or their significant other is also in the space or they want to have their significant other be a part of the space in them or like how do they navigate that and what are some of those considerations and um, you know if they should be in the space together or if they can be in the space but in different ways and what that might you know thinking about all those possibilities um, those are all important things to kind of think about so I think that's really you know useful and helpful advice Mm mm-hmm um, let me see here. Um, I think those were all of the big questions I had to cover about your journey, but I want to check in to see if there's anything that we missed or anything, any other advice or experiences or resources that you want to share before we start thinking about the future of the psychedelic field. Um, you know, I don't think so. I mean, I think we've covered the big pieces. Okay, perfect. Good, good. That means I do my job well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try my best. <laughs> yes. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the future of the psychedelic field. Um, so this is a growing field. It's going to keep, you know, exploding in all kinds of different ways and avenues. So I'm interested to hear what you hope will happen or what you think will happen in the next five mm-hmm. to 10 years and how you think that you and your husband and untethered will fit into that future. Yeah, man, from your seat on the bus, you probably have a better perspective on this than I do. (laughs) But obviously um, I see this work continuing to, to grow and probably exponentially grow as people really understand the potential that is there. Um, I think we'll have a better understanding of, kind of the the dark side of the psychedelic movement and how to prepare ourselves and prepare others so that that doesn't happen as much. Um, I would love to see, um, man, every CEO, <laughs> if they feel called, do plant medicine and do in-depth integration work. 
I think it um, has the benefit to really shift shift a lot of things that we're seeing in the world in a very positive way. Um, so I would love to see that. And I know that, you know, in the startup community, um, it's, it's, you know, growing really, really rapidly in terms of people wanting to have these experiences. And so I think we're moving in the right direction. Um, the biggest part that I hope that we can play is, you know, in some of these gaps areas, um, my, my heart and soul is in this space of integration and, Personally, I think integration begins in pre, <laughs> because if you if you don't have the foundation like upfront, it's really hard to kind of build the house on the back end. Um, and so, being able to kind of help people um, enter and exit those peak experiences with plant medicine in a very thoughtful, intentional, and grounded way feels like the biggest contribution that we can make. And um, obviously, because of my journey and uh, because of who I am and how I was brought here, the horses will continue to play a big role for that in terms of providing the space, the magic that they can um, and that they do so readily and the healing that they do so readily to folks who are called to work with them. And so my greatest hope and desire and intention is that we can continue to build in those spaces of being able to provide this integration work with clients and with horses and, and nature, basically. Yeah, I think that's a, a great hope for the future. And I know with uh, some of the work that I do, uh, my research looks at transformative psychedelic experiences at music festivals. Um you know, one thing I always like to point out is that people are not going to stop using psychedelics or plant medicine outside of medical or clinical settings, no matter what legislation looks like or what right. the development of, you know, right. the clinical kind of setting looks like. So having um, organizations and having groups of people like yourself that provide those, mm -hmm. those bookends essentially um, for integration pre and post is so important for those individuals who don't see that that clinical model works for them. Like that's not what fits them. Right. Um, so I think there's a whole, you know, set of worlds. I, you know, I, I like to talk about it as like the, there's psychedelic worlds, there's multiple worlds, right? right. So there's a whole set of worlds in it um, that are aimed to focus on those individuals that don't feel like they fit in that clinical kind of side of things, you know, like they need support just as much as anyone else who Absolutely. is interested in these types of, yeah. in these types of things. Um, so I think that's an important thing to think about for the future and what that looks like. And for anyone who's interested in, you know, if they don't see themselves fitting into formal education and being a doctor or being a psychiatrist, like what other right. avenues are there? And this mm -hmm. is a, a huge field um, that will continue to develop and grow. And, um, and so I think that's a really beautiful hope for the future. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed, right? <laughs> yeah. So aside from all of the amazing and wonderful information that you've given us so far, is there any other last pieces of advice that you would give to our audience before we sign off? Oh, man. Oh, it is. It's the perfect question, right? And Man, if I do have any advice, it would be um, to follow your heart. You know, I think so often we have these ideas and programs and perspectives and beliefs and frameworks in our minds that we think we should follow. Um, 
but I would say, you know, allow some space and some room to drop below your neck, feel into your heart and allow that to provide guidance in terms of how you move. And I guess I wish I would have done that a little bit better myself. That's some beautiful advice that I think anyone can take, no matter where they are, what stage they're in, or what direction they're headed in. I think that's uh, wonderful and beautiful advice that we could always tap into, really. Perfect. And so for any of our listeners who are interested in connecting with you, what's the best way that they can reach out to you? Yeah. So you can find me online at www.beuntethered.co. And you can find me on Instagram at Heather Wickman PhD, as well as Facebook under the same handle, those kind of things. So I'm out there. So if you you do a little Google, you'll definitely find me. Okay, perfect. And I can share the link to your website um, and your socials in the show notes so our audience members can find them very quickly and easily. Awesome. All right. This has been a wonderful conversation, Heather. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, It's been really beautiful to tap into psychedelics and coaching and horses, (laughs) something so unique that I never would have thought of to come together in this space. But I think it offers a whole new avenue, a whole new world, whole new psychedelic worlds (laughs) for our listeners. So thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, thank you for having me and being able to share it with your audience. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. I want to direct your attention to the show notes once again, where you can find relevant links from our conversation and ways to contact Heather. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to connect with like-minded spirits, jump over to our Psychedelic Grad community page. The link is in the notes below. Also, when you join our community, you'll get a weekly newsletter filled with psychedelic goodies, including psychedelic studies, field announcements, and job openings. If you'd like to support Psychedelic Grad and the Curious to Serious podcast so we can keep the dream alive, click the link in the show notes to donate and buy us a coffee. Finally, if you enjoyed today's podcast, leave us a five-star review and maybe even a comment so we know we're doing a good job. Thank you again for joining us. I'm your co-host, Gabby. Stay curious, and we look forward to seeing you back here for our next episode of Psychedelic Grad's Curious to Serious podcast.